When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining on an absolutely gorgeous Saturday afternoon on this Labor Day weekend. And I hope everyone is enjoying the sunshine, the warm weather, the blue skies. It's one of these great days to be alive days. And uh, so I hope everybody's going to get some fresh air and get out and get some exercise and it's supposed to be nice all weekend. It's supposed to get hotter Sunday and Monday. So today is the absolute perfect day to, to be out and about. But uh, for the next hour, I hope you'll stay with us for the More Money Show. I know a lot of you are listening at home or in your cars. And so thank you so much. We have great ratings for the show. And I say this every week, but I really, truly mean it. I'm, I'm uh, humbled to do the show, and I'm so excited to be able to talk about what is going on with the economy and your finances and a little bit of politics. And so since this is Labor Day weekend, I wanted to start out talking about labor. Uh, and I, I'm going to ask at the end of the show, I will take your calls uh, at the end of the show as I do most weeks. And by the way, we're live. This is a live show. So um, at about quarter to the end of the hour, I want people to start uh, calling in because I want your opinion about labor unions. Do you think that labor unions are a positive force for the U.S. economy or a negative force? And I know people have very, very different opinions about this. Uh, my own opinion is that I am not against unions. Um, I think that uh, if workers want to get together and bargain collectively for their wages and salaries and worker benefits uh, with with an employer, I, I have no problem with that. I think it's a free country and they should be able to do it. Now, the the, obviously, the employers should be able to uh, negotiate those salaries in good faith. But if people want to join the union and and uh, collectively bargain, I'm all for that. Uh, what I disagree with, and I've said this many times, but I want to be very clear about this. There's a big difference between people voluntarily getting together, workers, and saying, hey, we're going to go to our employer jointly and we're going to have a uh, – a fixed salary with fixed benefits that uh, are for all the people in that group. What I highly object to, and I think is unconstitutional, I think it's unfair and unconstitutional when the government says you have to be a member of the union to work at this factory or this show, this store, or uh, at this hospital or at this school. I don't believe in forced unionism. I think that if someone wants to opt out of a union and, negotiate their salary and benefits on their own, why not? 
Why, why should that be prohibited? I'm a freedom guy. I believe in liberty. And I think that the unions um, have, you know, we've had unions in this country going back to the late 1920s. For 100 years, we've had unions. Now, more and more Americans, uh, we we're just looking up these statistics. Uh, and by the way, I hope everyone listening to this show is getting our Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline, which comes out five mornings a week. You can read it. And no, no more than 10 minutes, probably five minutes every morning. And it, it has just really essential, um, information that you need when it comes to the economy and finances and politics and elections and things of that nature. Um, and I want you to get it and I'm not selling you anything, folks. This is free. It is absolutely free. All you have to do is just go to the committee to unleash prosperity website and just sign up for it. And I think you'll like it a lot. We have. You know, major CEOs, we get it. A lot of the members of Congress, senators are reading it. Governors are reading it. We've got major people in the media who love it. Newt Gingrich says it's the first thing he reads every morning. So get it. If you want to be the smartest in the person in the room and you know, want to know what you're talking about, especially if you're arguing with some of your liberal friends, which I do every day, it's, you know, I always say that when it comes to politics and finance and economy, knowledge is power. If you know more than the other guy, then you're going to win the argument. And so uh, please do sign up for that because we had an item on Friday uh, for our weekend uh, hotline where we were talking about unionization in America. What have the trends been? Um, so I mentioned that unions are roughly 100 years old in the United States. They date back to the late 1920s, 30s when FDR was president. And um, what we found was that it used to be uh, as, as recently as the fifties and sixties and seventies, that as many as 30%, uh, or about a third of American workers were in a union. Today, if you look at that percentage, it's only, I think, 11%. So that's not 11 or 12%. I forget the exact number, but it's about one in eight or one in nine American workers are in a union. That means eight and nine Americans are not in a union. And, as I said before, it's a free country. You should be able to decide whether you want to join a union or not. But what's really interesting to me about these statistics, folks, is that only 6%, is that right, Tim? I think 6% is the number of Americans today who are in the private sector, not working for government, who are in a union. So that means it's like, if my math is right, that's like one out of 16 private sector workers is in a union. So what's happened over time is unions have really become government entities. Public sector unions are what rule the day. Now, of course, you have the Teamsters and you have steelworkers unions and uh, service unions, but those are really small compared to the number of uh, workers in government who are in unions. And, and by the way, well more than half of government workers are in unions. So when we talk about unions now in America today, we're primarily talking about teachers unions and public employee unions, federal, you know, treasury workers and so on. And here's the problem I have with public sector unions. By the way, even Franklin Roosevelt was against public sector unions. And here's the reason why. Who, when you think about who is representing the taxpayer when these things are being negotiated, you basically have a politician who's getting their money from the unions negotiating a salary that's going to be paid for by the taxpayers. Well, if you're in a big city like New York or my hometown of Chicago, 
these the, these politicians are basically bought and paid for by the unions in the first place. The you know the the unions are by far by far the biggest donors to the Democratic Party. Ninety percent of their money goes to Democrats. Uh, that is the public sector unions. So my problem is it's not fair to the taxpayers that there is nobody at that negotiating table that is representing the interests of you and me and Americans who pay taxes. And the thing that is doubly unfair about that is that public sector workers, government workers get a premium of somewhere between 30 and 40%. When you take into account, they get high salaries, you know, like in the, in the government, federal government, the average salary now is over a hundred thousand dollars. Can you believe that the government workers are making over a hundred thousand dollars on average? Then that doesn't even include that they get a multitude of paid holidays. Now, like private sector workers get that too, but the public sector gets virtually every public holiday you can think of off. They have more holidays. They also have been working virtually at home now for three years. They don't have to go into the office and they have incredibly lavish benefits, healthcare benefits, retirement benefits. I mean, I have friends in the Washington DC area that are 54 years old and they're virtually retired. Uh, not too many in the private sector can do that. So it's not fair that you and I who are in the private sector have to pay more and more taxes to pay for workers who are comparably skilled, who are getting higher wages and salaries. We are seeing a pickup, folks, of more strikes and more labor unrest. Uh, there was a big article in the Wall Street Journal this week about it, that the unions are flexing their muscle a little bit more now. Now, why are they doing that? I think it's for two reasons. One sinister reason, one reason that is uh, more political. The one reason that unions are agitating for more money is because we have high inflation, because Biden has run prices through the roof. And so the average thing that we buy today is about 20 percent more expensive now than when uh, Donald Trump left office. I love to recite this statistic, and many of you heard me tell it before, that when Trump left office, the, un the I'm sorry, the inflation rate, uh, the consumer price index was growing at, I think it was 1.6%, 1.6%. Then 18 months later, remember this time last summer, the inflation rate went up to 9.2%. Remember that? I mean, when everything just went through the roof. Now, the good news, it's come down to 35 to 4%, but that means all these higher prices are embedded into the system, and gas prices are a good example. I think in the New York area, you're paying $5 a gallon. Where I live, we're paying Four twenty nine, four thirty nine a gallon. The gas price was two fifty nine a gallon when Trump left office, and so the point is that everything is more expensive. Food is more expensive, beef is more expensive, um, eggs are more expensive, gas is more expensive, your rent is more expensive, mortgages are more expensive. Uh, even more so than the consumer price index. These things are up by 20%. So workers around the country are saying, wait a minute, I'm getting screwed here. I'm only getting a 6% increase, let's say, in my uh, union contract. But when prices are up 7 or 8 or 9%, my, I'm falling behind. And so union workers are quite rightly saying, Bidenomics is a complete failure. I need a higher uh, raise. And so there was a story about a major union that uh, I think it was the Teamsters that rejected 
a 16% four-year increase. I think it was Ford. I have, I think it was Ford offered that to the workers and the workers and the union rejected it. And I was asked on Fox News what I thought about that. And I said, well, maybe the, maybe the union is right to reject that because, you know, four, four percent inflation, you know, it might be a lot higher than that. And the, and the workers are going to lose out. So my point is that the problems of the economy are so tied to the bad performance of Biden. And I do think you're going to see more strikes, more labor strife, which is a bad thing for America. The other reason that unions are uh, more likely to go on strike this fall is because the president is a patsy for the unions. He's not, he's not someone who is a honest broker here. He's basically encouraging these unions to go against management of their companies. And, and, and let me say this again. I am for American workers being the highest paid workers. If, if unions can get higher salaries, I'm all for it. I want American workers to be paid as well as they can. But on the other hand, if they are asking for too much, they can drive some of these businesses out of business. And we saw that with Yellow, the the trucking firm that basically said, sorry, we can't afford it. And 30,000 people lost their jobs. And I don't want to see that. So my question for the day, I'm going to take a break in a minute, but I want you all to think about it. Do you think unions today in the year 2023 – have a positive impact or a negative impact on America. And I'd love to hear from people, if you're in a union, because I know a lot of you listening to the show are a union member, you're a card-carrying union member, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear, uh, you know, because I'm open-minded about this. I want to hear the case for the unions, and I want to hear the case against against the unions, uh, because uh, this is free speech radio. We like to hear from people of all sorts of different opinions. All right, I'm going to take a short break. We will be right back with uh, two of the best in the business, Ryan and Bob Payne, to discuss with us what is happening in these turbulent financial markets. I'm Steve Moore. This is The More Money Show. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. More money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. Now it's time for my favorite segment where we talk to two of the best in the financial business. I'm talking about Ryan and Bob Payne of Payne Capital Management. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining. As always, let's get right down to it. Uh, Ryan, you and I were on uh, Fox Business when the jobs <laughs> report came out on. Friday morning. Um, and so what give give our audience a sense of 
how you think that uh, those new job numbers will affect the market? Um, you know, I, I think it's a positive because I think what we've been looking for is some cooling in the job market because it's been so strong, but you still want it to be strong. So it's like that not too hot, not mm-hmm. too cold, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, type of you know, uh, um, you know, report. And I, I think that is a good sign because what we want to see is the Fed, uh, you know, be able to to at some point here look to maybe even lower interest rates. Forget, you know, raising interest rates. And if you see the job market cooling, that's a very big positive for monetary policy. I'm very optimistic on the data. And you were saying, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, you, you think it's um, unlikely that the Fed will raise rates again? What's your call on that? I think not only are they not going to raise rates again, but next year is an election year, Steve. <laughs> and on top of that, um, inflation data should start coming in even cooler over the next couple of months. So I suspect by the middle of next year, we could see the Fed actually cutting interest rates, you know, because one comment you and I talked about is people are feeling the constraints of higher interest rates, especially when it comes to mortgage rates. Yeah, so I think right. at some point the Fed's going to have to take the foot off the off the, the pedal, so to speak. So, uh, so Bob, I know you uh, that you know you are the expert on this as well, and you have uh, many many more years of experience than even Ryan does in this business. And uh, Ryan was making the point that maybe in an election year they may be cutting interest rates. Gee, I didn't think politics ever intervened in these things. So how do you see it? Well, you know, Steve, there is something we call the presidential cycle, and typically year three and four of any president's. Uh, administration, you get a very strong market. And, and year three, it typically comes in the first half of the year. Uh-huh. You know, we're up like 17, 18% year to date in the S&P 500. So it's, it's kind of following the script. So if you were at the Fed, would you, uh, do you agree with Ryan that the, that uh, they should hold pad and if anything, reduce rates? I mean, it's so interesting because economists are all over the map on that question. I tend to think maybe they should, as a precaution member, uh, measure, I think I'd probably fall uh, on the side of one more rate increase to extinguish whatever existing inflation we have. But what say you? Well, you know, I've, I've been watching Jerome Powell now for a year, and it's it's kind of like a Seinfeld episode anymore. You know, yada, yada, yada. You know, I mean, he's just – I don't know if he's just pretended to be a hawk or, or what, but he's not really telling us anything. Um, but he's getting the numbers that he was looking for, right? I thought, you know, quit rates right. were down. I think that was really right. big. The jolts number was down. That was really big. We just get the, you know, unemployment number goes up. So, you know, I think that uh, there's, he's definitely going to pause, in my opinion. So uh, one of the uh, industries that is obviously most affected by what the Federal Reserve does is the housing industry and the mortgage industry. Yes. And uh, as, as our listeners know, the mortgage rate was 2.9% when Trump left office. Today, it's a little over 7%. That's a pretty big increase, a very, very big increase in rates. And, um, Bob, what worries me about that is that that obviously has a negative effect on the mortgage market. Now, you and I are old enough to remember when we had not 7 but 17% mortgage rates back in the <laughs> late 70s. But still, how do you see the rise in mortgage rates affecting the housing market? Well, you know, the housing market has been extraordinarily strong, especially during COVID. And I, I tell you the truth, Steve, I didn't see that coming, you know, because I have so much experience in investing. Um, I was shocked to see what happened to real estate prices and, and the scarcity of homes. Now you see, you know, it's, it's getting to a point where it's not really affordable because of the mortgage rates. But boy, you know, the market's smarter than all of us. And you look at the housing stock companies now, the companies that build homes like Toll Brothers, they're hitting 52-week highs today. 
Um, so the market's telling you that the housing industry is going to be booming, not going into a, a decline. So, uh, Ryan, I'd like to ask you about two industries. One is I'd like your perspective on the housing market because, uh, you know, when those rates go up, it hurts the home uh, buyer, but it also hurts the seller. You get less home for your money because you're paying so much higher rates. Uh, So I'd like your perspective on that. But also uh, what you think about the energy industry because uh, when we were on uh, Fox Business News the other day, a, a number of the commentators were saying they really like, you know, the energy infrastructure uh, companies, the refineries, the, the LNG companies, the uh, the pipeline companies. So I'd like your perspective on both those industries. Yeah, I mean, something about real estate for a second, kind of just uh, go yeah. emphasize what Bob just said is what's remarkable is the fact that, I mean, home prices are still well above where they were. Um, before the pandemic, even with interest rates at over 7%, because, you know, the problem is supply was already not in great shape. But now all of a sudden, when it comes to existing homes, if you have a 2 or 3% mortgage, you're not moving. So ironically, it's only made supply even less, um, which makes, you know, the housing market, uh, you know, the demand for houses is so great that that supply and demand is so out of whack. And you have like 130 right. million U.S. households, the most ever, um, that's a lot of millennials looking for homes in a, in a very, very limited market. So that's going to keep the housing market probably stronger than it's not like the great financial crisis when you just had all these like, you know, these yeah. vacant lots, you know, for as far as the eye can see. So I, so I think the I fact gonna, that there is Brian, am I going to be able to get my uh, son out of my basement? <laughs> that's my hope and dream for you steve um but i think okay. <laughs> but i think again this also goes back to why i think the fed will cut next year because okay. housing needs to be more affordable but you know and, and then to talk about energy for a second mm-hmm. yeah i mean look the demand for energy is only going to go higher and we know production is not going to keep up with demand they are great economics for energy stocks for the foreseeable future and we say that energy is the new technology because earnings growth and energy is going to be better the next couple of years than technology. And those stocks trade a lot cheaper. They've got really nice dividends. It should be a component in your portfolio. And just, just to be, to clarify, because, you know, when we talk about energy, that, that's a big, big field. Uh, so are you talking about, I was kind of referring to the oil and gas industry. Is that what you're referring to? Or are you referring more broadly to other kinds of energy? Yeah, I'm talking old school fossil fuels. <laughs> so, yeah, we're talking about the old school industry. Um, and demand is just not going to go away. If anything, peak demand is like a decade away. And we know, you know, companies are focusing on profits over production. So production is just not going to keep up with the demand. And that's a really good position if you're an energy company because that means higher yeah. oil and gas prices for longer. So you're saying, Ryan, that we don't have to worry right now about net zero because we're not going to net zero on oil. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long way away, Steve, no matter what they tell you. Okay. Well, that's, that, that makes me very pleased. Uh, one last thing before we go. We only have about a minute left. Uh, Bob, Ryan's theme is always be bullish. Is this a good time to be bullish? You know, Steve, I, as we've been saying, to it, we're, we're in a big bull market right now, and, you know, I'll, the big mistake I think some investors are making is they're chasing technology stock. Big big tech stocks have done very, very well. But you got to remember, besides tech companies, there's like 2,950 companies in the Russell, you know, 3,000 <laughs> that I think offer tremendous opportunity. So uh-huh. I think if you're adding new money, anything but tech right now. That is, we've been listening to um, 
Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management, two of the best in the business. Gentlemen, thanks so much for your expert advice, and we'll be right back. This is WABC Talk Radio. Hey, and if you're thinking yourself right now, okay, Bob and Ryan, for some reason you have been right, and the economy has not fallen off a cliff, and I need to go on top of my retirement plan because I've been sitting with my head under a rock. Here's your shot to do it. We have 10 slots open for the whole show. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally look at everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We're a boutique firm that will do the work. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal. We're going to give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial life. We're just going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today, whether it's an income plan for retirement. How do you draw from your portfolio in the most efficient manner? How do you take Social Security? There's a lot of ways to take it. One right optimal way for you to take it. How do you factor in inflation? Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. You need a dynamic income plan. We're going to put it together for you so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been like a yo-yo the last two years. Has your portfolio been extremely volatile up and down as well? Or have you been sitting with way too much money in cash? Paralysis by analysis, you can't figure out what to do. We're going to put together a full investment game plan, tie it to your goals, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high cost, fee-laden products, whether it's an annuity, insurance product, brokerage product, annuities, mutual funds. We'll do a deep dive of every investment you own, show you how to reduce the cost and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get our full tax playbook. We literally have 10 slots open if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no cost. There's no obligation. No other firm will do this for you, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call right now. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply give us a call at 844-NYC-PLAN. That's 844-PA. I'm sorry. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. So, Bob. You know, we're in an environment right now, and we see this all the time at our firm, Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, where we help a lot of people make a lot of financial decisions and make sure that they're financially secure for retirement. And, you know, one thing we found is when it comes to solid long-term wealth planning is the antithesis of that is being reactionary and making a lot of hasty short-term decisions and moves in your portfolio and with your financial plan. So, making a Go ahead. Sorry, buddy. Go. I'm sorry. Go. No, that's okay. Get get in there. So, you know, Ryan, I mean, that's basically, that, that's the key element right there. Emotional decisions, right? Money makes you emotional. And that's why it's so important to have a financial plan. I mean, I've been doing this almost for 50 years. And when you get to a time time of insanity, when you get the markets going crazy, everybody's hair is on fire. You know what I say? You go up there, you break the glass, and you pull out your financial plan to get you back <laughs> to thinking properly about how you should invest and take advantage of those times. Well, I think it's also your emotions trick you, right? They make you feel like you're making the right decision. And I'll give you an example right now is the conventional wisdom you always hear is, well, 
look, I don't know what's going to happen in the future here. I don't know if we're going to recession. I don't know if inflation is going to go up or go down. But I can just put my money in a money market fund paying 5% and just park it there, and I'm in great shape. And you and I know that's a horrible decision right now. It's one of the worst decisions you can make with your long-term money. All you have to do is, is be as old as I am, right, and have when the money market fund was yielding 19%, when people say, hey, why do I even run a business? My profit margins aren't that high. I might as well just sell my company, put everything in a 19% money market fund. Well, it was on its way to zero. You know, how's that working for your long-term strategy? Well, that's the point, right? You know, we like to deploy a paying capital to manage the Wayne Gretzky strategy, right? You've got to invest not in where the markets are, but where they're going. And there's a good chance next year, we just talked about this on the first segment, that interest rates next year could be lower. So that 5% you're getting in a money marker, that one-year treasury, all of a sudden, you're only getting 3%. And meanwhile, you missed opportunity in the stock market. You could have locked into some longer-term bonds and locked in these longer-term rates that are the best in 16 years. And it's short-sighted because your portfolio uh, needs to generate returns for over 20 years, 30 years. So getting 5% for one year for a short amount of time is really short-sighted. And it's a huge mistake that I would argue a lot of retirees and pre-retirees are making right now. Yeah, and if this is confusing for you, it's not your fault because, you know, in, in the industry that we're in, there's more emphasis on selling you financial products than there is in doing actual planning. And last I checked, Rye, having a beautiful portfolio is not financial planning. <laughs> no, it's not. And having, you know, 5% for one year doesn't cover the next 29 years, <laughs> you know, that you, you you may be retired or looking to be retired. So I think it's really important to start thinking about those longer-term goals and having a longer-term income plan and avoiding that reinvestment risk because that's what you have right now. If you have all this money coming due in a year or all this money sitting in a money market fund, well, those rates can change quickly overnight if the Fed starts lowering interest rates next year. So you have to start thinking about that long-term income plan, and most of you aren't doing that. And I think that's one of the biggest problems we see today when we sit down and we review your portfolio and try to put together a long-term game plan. Well, Rod, you know, you've been saying this for years. The obvious trade is always the wrong trade, and you're right about that. I mean, right now I get calls every day. Why don't we just take everything we have and buy a 5% T-bill? You know, it sounds so right, sounds so smart, and that's, you know, what I hear all the time. Now what the other one I hear is AI is the future. Let's take all of our money and just put it into one stock. Let's buy NVIDIA. It's obviously a winner. <laughs> yeah, it's like tech and one-year treasuries, the two Ts, could be very, very dangerous because at some point, you know, we're, we're not going to be talking about tech. We're going to be talking about other parts of the market that are working um, because it's had such a big run this year. So that diversification is so key. So if you're like, well, my portfolio is doing so well right now, I don't fix what's not broken, well, things are going to change, right? And you have to start looking at your risk now as opposed to the future. And you got to start looking at your diversification and making sure that you're set up. If the market does sell off next year, is your money spread out? And most of you aren't doing that. You know, right, because all that is is what we call momentum-driven strategies, right? What you and I call lazy thinking, right? You know, if you just put your thinking cap on, you look at valuations, you know, you're going to make smart decisions. Hey, we started this company 15 years ago. You remember our first year, no one wanted to own any companies in the U.S. because the U.S. had just gone through the Great Recession. We had just had a big financial crisis. Everybody wanted to be invested outside the U.S. Boy, you pick up a portfolio today, I can't find a dime in international investing. It's a big mistake. Don't be a momentum investor. Be a smart investor. 
Well, it just comes down to overlapping your portfolio. And this is why you want everything analyzed in one place, right? You have to know that everything is working together. And the big mistake that we see is maybe you have a couple accounts over here with a broker. Maybe you have a retirement account over here. You have a savings account over here. And the question is, is everything being managed in concert? Because when it comes to you drawing income from your portfolio is you got to make sure everything is working together. And what happens when we have different advisors and money at different places is they tend to invest the money the same way. You may have lots of different names in your portfolio, but when you break it down, it might all be in the same area. And as we like to say, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So it's so important to manage that risk and look at the overall picture, tie it back to your goals. It's the only way to have a successful retirement plan. And I argue right now, most of you aren't doing that. So if you're, and if you're thinking yourself right now, okay, I get it. I need to figure out a real income plan for retirement. I'm sitting with way too much money in cash. I know I'm getting 5%, but that might not last forever. I need a long-term game plan. Here's your shot to do it. We still have five slots left. If you saved over a million dollars for your retirement, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan. And we'll do that with no obligation or cost. We're a boutique firm that does very customized planning. We're going to do the work that most firms aren't willing to do up front. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture. And we're just going to hone in on every financial issue you need to address today. You need that long-term income plan for retirement. you got to factor in inflation because your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. That needs to be accounted for. You need to figure out how to take Social Security the right way for you. We'll put together a full dynamic, dynamic income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been up and down all over the place the last two years. Has your portfolio been like a yo-yo as well? Or have you just been sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis? You can't figure out what to do. We'll put together a full investment game plan. We're going to tie it to your goals, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Every Wall Street firm loves to sell you annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, insurance products, structured products. We do a deep dive of every investment you own. We'll show you how to reduce the cost on your entire portfolio and optimize your portfolio for taxes. It's not what you make, it's what you take. You'll get Bob and I's full tax playbook. We literally have five slots left if you saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PL. A-N-N-Y-C. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will help you to create your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation, no cost, no strings attached, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call right now. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844 844- Plan NYC, that's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you'll learn more about myself and Bob, simply go to BeBullish.com. You can learn about our firm, Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to BeBullish.com. You can check out more about the firm. Have a great Labor Day weekend. We got more, more money coming your way. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. We're back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. I am economist Steve Moore. Don't forget to go to Committee to Unleash Prosperity 
website. That's Committee to Unleash Prosperity and get our free, free, absolutely free, cost you nothing, uh, hotline that we put out every five mornings a week to, that I think you'll find very educational and illuminating and, and maybe even funny. We try to add some, some, uh, comic relief as well because when you're parroting the left, sometimes you just have to laugh about it. All right. My, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Tom Pyle is on the line. He's the president of a, an incredibly important group called the Institute, uh, for Energy Research. It is the top energy research organization in America. This guy knows more about energy then um, I, I think he's the foremost authority on energy policy in the United States. Tom, uh, thank you so much for joining this uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, Steve, you flatter me, my friend. You flatter me. So, so, so Tom, I want to uh, – the reason I was so eager to talk to you today is because you just put out a report at Institute for Energy Research, which I thought was fantastic. And it was, of course, on the to- topic of net zero. And the reason I wanted you on, Tom, is because I don't think a lot of people have any idea what that means. You know, the net zero, does that mean, oh, zero pollution? Oh, great, I'm for net zero. Let's not have any pollution. I, everybody's against pollution, uh, and so everybody's against climate change. So we're just going to have a net zero policy that Biden wants and the Europeans want and uh, so many of our environmental groups want. But what your report did was scare the hell out of me, frankly, about what this policy would do to America. So can you explain what news, first of all, explain what net zero is and what you found would, would be the impact on our jobs, on our industries, on our energy security? Yeah, sure. So net zero is just another sort of rebranding of this whole climate agenda. The, 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 the technical aspiration or goal of this dream, which is in reality a nightmare, is to achieve net zero carbon dioxide emissions by 2050, primarily from the electricity sector. Um, so basically replace hydrocarbons, coal, oil, and natural gas with minerals and materials, because, you know, minerals and materials are the things that are put in batteries and, you know, all the components of sort of renewables like wind and solar. Um, this would be a... So, well, hold on, hold on. Let me just, let me just stop you right there, because that's such an important yeah. point. So you're, if we substitute, you know, coal, gas, oil, diesel for electric batteries, wind and solar, you're going to need these minerals uh, to to make those functional forms of power. And I wonder if even that's better for the environment than using, say, natural gas, which is clean. Well, that's exactly the point. Uh, moving away from oil and coal and gas to minerals and materials means they still have to be extracted. They still have to be yep. transported. They still have to right. be processed. And these all right. of these things have environmental implications. So we're not making the world cleaner and greener by by doing this. So why are we doing this? Then? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem to make any sense. It's, it doesn't even seem like it's good for the environment. It's going to be really expensive, right? Because natural gas and coal are much, much cheaper than all of these other forms of energy they want to use. Cheaper and more efficient. In other words, they, they yeah. do more yeah. with less, less land yeah. mass, for example. No, this is about getting rid of fossil fuels. This is a, an agenda um, that these the Greens have sort of glommed onto now 
for years and years and years. I, I can't get into the heads of these folks, but you know, uh, it's it's just that they've decided that the, that fossil fuel uh, producers are the enemy, and we must eliminate them. Consequences be damned. And let me tell you the consequences. Okay, just yeah, first please. of all, physically, physically, and uh, realistically, you cannot replace eighty percent of something by twenty fifty. <laughs> period. Right. right. That's what they're talking about. Yeah. But look right. what it does to the economy, Steve. Hey, I, I'm going to point to Heritage because they've done modeling on this. Yeah. Aggregate GDP in this country would drop seven point seven trillion dollars. <laughs> what? Seven trillion? Shortfall. Did you say trillion 7. or billion? Seven with a T, Steve. Oh, with a T, the unemployment shortfall averages about 1.2 million jobs. The household electric bill, which is already going up and up and up because of these policies, already right. will increase to nearly a thousand bucks. And if you like the, the gas prices you're paying now, pay 236 percent more because oh that's God. what it would lead to. So, of course, so you're, wait. So that means a more than a more than doubling. A more than doubling of gas prices. Then of course, they also want to eliminate gas, right? That's, <laughs> right. That's part of this goal. So I'm sorry. So then, what goes up by two hundred thirty-six percent? The cost of energy. Well, if the equivalent gas prices today, right, of, of gas yeah. prices today, is yeah. what it would cost if you were still if you were still using gas-powered vehicles, which wow. they want to eliminate. Right. So now look. This is a, uh, this is sort of part of their global warming, climate change agenda. You know, it's global cooling, global warming, climate change now net yep. zero. Here's what yep. the here's what the moderation in average world temperature uh, would be: a reduction of zero point zero three five degrees. Say that again. Statistically, zero point zero three five degrees centigrade. Which is so? How hold on, hold on. Again, I just I have to stop you because how is that going to stop hurricanes? How is that going to stop uh, typhoons? How is that going to stop uh, you know these hot days in Texas? I mean, so you're saying rather than if we have these policies in place, instead of it being 103 degrees in Dallas, you know, in uh, for a week in the summer this year, it would be 102. Percent degrees. So <laughs> I don't even understand the logic of what these people are talking about. That's the practical implication. They claim that if we do it here, others will follow. But Steve, China's building the equivalent of two new coal plants a week. Right? <laughs> I mean, China isn't playing ball here. India is growing and, and buying more and more, ironically, right. oil from Russia these days. So Right. This is an agenda, Steve, that is about taking away that which works and works well and makes our lives better because they just don't, you know, they just have this beef against fossil fuel. It's it's really pathological in some so, ways. Tom, um, we, I'm so, we only have limited time, so I want to get this is really useful information for my listen, listeners. And by the way, folks, what we're trying to tell you when Tom Pyle, the world's one of the world's great energy experts is the net zero policy that the left is trying to impose on us is extraordinarily dangerous. It's bad for our energy. It's bad for our economy. It's bad for our freedom. Uh, and by the way, if I'm overstating that, Tom, please correct me. But I, one thing that, that disturbs me greatly is, you know, I was walking through the airport, uh, one of the airports in Washington 
the other day. And there's a huge, huge billboard there. And it was one of the Fortune 100 companies, and I forget which one it was. But I saw several of these companies saying, oh, we're all in for net zero. Net zero, yes, we love net zero. Why is corporate America buying into this crap? Well, it's the same reason the politicians are, Steve, because if you have an, if you set yourself a goal uh, that's so far out into the future that you won't be around, then you don't care because you're not going to be there to pick up the damage right. that, you know, to right. deal with the damage. And so it's free advertising for them, right, to sort of play along with the Biden administration and to try to appease the green left. And, it, you know, we've seen it over and over with corporations. The ESG stuff is a, is a perfect example of it. And it only ends up hurting shareholders. It only ends up hurting retirees because it'll yeah. mess with their 401ks and things like that. So it's going to make America poor. It's not going to help the environment. It's probably going to shift. Uh, you were mentioning that, that China is building all of these coal plants. I think you said nearly two a week. Uh, well, by the way, we're shutting down our coal plants in places like West Virginia and Wyoming and Pennsylvania and Illinois. How does that, again, how, how is this in America's interest? I mean, one of the things I loved about Donald Trump and, uh, you know, I think Trump, of course, has his flaws, but, you know, when he was president, it was all about putting America first. How, how does this put America first when we shut down our, we have so much oil and gas and coal in this. I've learned this from you guys at Institute Energy Research. We have more of this stuff than any other country virtually, and we're shutting it down, and none of the other countries are doing that. None of the other countries. And here's the dangerous part in terms of our national security. The percentage of, of minerals and materials that go into these components, these batteries and things, are owned or controlled by one country, China, communist China. Yep. And that, in essence, we're trading our energy security and our national security over to, uh, you know, what I argue is one of the single greatest threats to our, you know, to our national security, and that is China. So we're running out of time here. So I want to ask you one last question. I'd love to have you on in, in the weeks to follow because this is such important information for my listeners. Um, you know, everybody's all the greens and all the environmental groups and the politicians are saying, oh, my gosh, you know, because we had a hurricane in uh, Florida uh, that we need to have all these policies. But if I'm understanding you correctly, these policies would not prevent hurricanes, would they? No, they wouldn't. I mean, we've had hurricanes long before we had a climate right. change right. agenda, right? I mean, you know, that's just the fact. And we've had more destructive hurricanes, and we'll have more right. destructive hurricanes. And, oh, by the way, summer will still be summer, Steve. Nothing can, nothing will change that. Yeah. So, uh, Tom, great job. That's Tom Pyle, who is the president of the Institute for Energy Research. Tom, how do people get that study? Um, it's instituteforenergyresearch.org, and it'll be the first thing that pops up. Good. Awesome. Thank you, Tom. Uh, appreciate you your taking time on a Saturday afternoon. Okay, folks, I promised I would take your calls, and I am going to, for once, keep that promise. I know the last couple of weeks we ran out of time. The question of the day, uh, if you're listening at the top of the show, is do you think unions in America today are a positive force or a negative force. I'm talking about labor unions. Do you think they're good for America or bad for America? I want to hear people on both sides. Our number uh, for the More Money Hotline is 1-800-848-9222. And I think we have had some people hanging on, so I'm, I'm really uh, pleased about that. And it looks like our first caller is Mike from Oyster Bay. Do we have Mike on? 
Okay, Mike, go ahead. He's on. Yeah, hey, Steve, I really miss it when you uh, were running the economy, I'll tell you the truth. Having said that, um, <laughs> well, you know what, my friend? I don't know if I'm going to be running it, but I have a hunch that uh, our friend Donald Trump may be running it again. And, and by the way, just think about how much better, whether you like Donald Trump or not, I mean, think about how much better our economy was performing when, when Donald Trump was president. But what do you think about the unions? So I, I think overall I would say unions do not help the economy. That's not their job. It's not what they want to do. They're in it for themselves. But if you don't separate the, sec- the labor, the um, public from the private, public never, they hurt the economy. They raise our taxes. They take yes. more money out of my pocket. And they yep. hurt the economy every single time. Labor unions, if they can sometimes work it out and they increase productivity, but generally in yep. 2023, they generally kill productivity. So I would say they hurt the economy. Okay, Mike, great call. Thanks for the kind words. Let us go. Do we have Max on, Mr. Producer? Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, this might be a deviation from the from your subjects, but uh, the recent, uh, since we're going to have drones flying over us for Labor Day, um, it occurred to me, why do we have them flying over us but not the immigrants or the migrants that have recently arrived? Sorry, why do we have what? Why do we have drones flying over us during Labor Day, but not above the migrants or immigrants that are uh, out on the street? Yeah. You know what, Max, Max, are you in Manhattan? Where do you live? Yeah. I mean, it's just I, I'm very pro-immigrant, but I think the idea of these just streams and streams of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants coming into the country, it's just not the proper way to do it. And it's it's an inhumane policy that we have in place today, folks. Joe Biden is inviting people to come into the country. Our cities are not capable of handling it right now. You've got people standing, you know, sleeping in the streets. You've got a crime problem. We have to have an orderly immigration system. And I think we should let more immigrants into this country, but they have to come legally. I mean, I feel so strongly about this. And the idea of just anybody who can get across the border, we don't know if they're criminals. We don't know if they're drug runners. We don't know if they have diseases. Why can't we secure the border like Donald Trump tried to do? He built 90 percent of the wall and then Biden comes in and he won't finish it. So, you know, what's the old saying that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link? So if you have a fence around your yard, but you have a big gap in the fence, guess what? That's where the the criminals are going to uh, to cross in. So it's a great point. We have got to use our whatever forces we have, whatever resources we have to secure our border uh, rather than spending trillions of dollars on climate change. Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we secure the border before we do any of these things? So great call, Max. Great question. Uh, we have, I think, Jim on the line from New Jersey who, who says labor unions are good. If they yes, play ball. Jim, are you on? I have the audio. Trump bribed Brushy here. He admits everything. Schiff and Bragg were paid off on new audio. If you want to hear it here, my YouTube corruption too. You drive to last twenty minutes of the timeline. Judge Guzman admits he took a bribe. He says I can only hold you in jail six months. Have a way to hold you three hundred years by making lies on you. Okay, uh, let's go. Yeah, let's go with Glenn. If with uh, in Edison, New Jersey, Glenn, yeah, you're on. I, I better. Yeah, hello. I've been a union iron worker for forty-two years. I I just retired. And so hold on, Glenn. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So what? What are you? Are you UAW? Uh, Ironworker. Ironworker. Okay. T- tell me what you think about. Did you feel like the union well represented you? Oh, well, I mean, we made it. Uh, you can make a decent living. It's yeah. just that our delegates in Washington D.C. If you go on Union Facts, 
our general president in Washington, D.C., is making 481000 What? We have nine vice pres- presidents making over 300000 What? It, Jeez. T- you go on that's union that's money that's coming right it. out of your paycheck, Glenn. So let me ask you a question, and, Glenn, because you sound like a pretty sensible guy. Uh, and, look, I, I'm uh, kind of neutral on this issue of unions. I think there are good things and bad things about them. But one thing that bothers me is all these uh, unions um, – their leadership all endorsed Joe Biden and Joe Biden's been terrible for workers. So why are these unions uh, using their political muscle to help elect a guy who's hurting American workers? Every hour you work and then they donate, they give 95% of it to the Democrats. That's why I know love the unions. I I think it's, it's infuriating. So if uh, I work 2000 hours, it costs me $2,000 to, to vote for Obama or Hillary Clinton or uh, uh, Biden, uh, you know, it just pisses me off. Yeah, uh, you know, great call. And uh, and I think you're exactly right. I think we have time for maybe one or two more quick ones. I see, I think, Mr. Producer, we have Bob on from Connecticut. Yes, Dave. Hi. Years and years ago, I worked in a company that it wasn't union, but we got union benefits because the rest of the plants were union. Yeah, it was okay, but... Yeah, yep. I mean, it's gotten way out of hand. Yeah, right. I mean, you got... They they go at these green energy right. crazy people. These people don't get it. They don't want copper pipe anymore. They want yep. plastic pipe. Guess what? Plastic pipe is made out of the recycled dinosaurs. Of you course. Gotta- uh, hey, you know what? I've got I've got to run. Great call. We're going to try to squeeze in one more from Chris from Palm Pond Lakes. Chris, are you with us? Yes, I am, Steve. How are you? Uh, Go ahead. I, I'm eager to hear what you have to say. Yes, unions hurt this country because they help – uh, vote in the commander in chief today. And then I also wanted to say is when is Obama going to be investigated for what Joe Biden implemented him on with yeah. the, you know, son of a bitch, he got fired. Yeah. Well, good, good question. Hey, I think we are, you know, we've had, we've taken about six or seven calls. I think it's a kind of a breaks down pretty even between whether unions are good or bad for America. But I think one of the things we can all agree on is when unions are supposed to represent workers and they're supposed to get the best pay and salary and benefits for the workers they represent. And that's why we have them. And that's a a, a useful function. What I disagree with folks is when these unions use the dues of of the members, of the millions of members of these unions, and they use these dues for political purposes. That's the problem, folks. They are, they're not representing the workers. They're representing the politicians and they're help getting these politicians, mostly Democrats. I think we all mentioned 90% of the money goes to Democrats. That's unfair. And it's not the purpose of unions. When I was, uh, Young, my first job was working in a union. I was making minimum wage. I had to pay all these union dues, and then they used it for political purposes. That has to end. Folks, I hope you have a great, great uh, Labor Day weekend. It's been uh, wonderful to be with you, and get out and enjoy this great country of ours and this great day. This is Steve Moore. You've been listening to The More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. <laughs>